So uh, we're moving through our series, um, All In, Living by the Spirit, the Fruits of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness has hit the screen. And uh, you might be thinking, why? Why the deceptive fruit? Why the deceptive fruit? And uh, we'll explore that, so please don't leave. (laughs) Stick around. Stick around. Because uh, I want to explain... Uh, what I think God's put on my heart and when we think about goodness and uh, why at times that can be deceptive. Um, We can look at something that's okay, but there's aspects of it that are not okay. And uh, we'll get into that in detail, so uh, so bear with me. Um, Can I just identify, where are the the girls from the Jets? Okay. I did not know you were coming this morning, but... There's a reference to the Jets coming up. So how about that? How about that? And uh, I'm a bit nervous that Steve Whalen's here as well. Steve doesn't know why I'm saying this, but um, there's a confession about some of my gardening skills coming up as well. And I thought, oh, I wonder whether Steve's going to be here today. I just got to apologise now, Steve. Okay. (laughs) Steve's a gardening guru. Goodness, the deceptive fruit. So goodness is simply the personal quality of being good. Simple as that. So uh, if there's goodness through our life, through the fruit of the Spirit, uh, it's being good, doing good things. And uh, good is simply that which is morally right or to the benefit of others. Now if you look up the definition of good, it goes for pages and pages and pages and pages and pages and pages. So I've just picked out the bit that's relevant, uh, I think, to church this morning. Um, To help understand why I think it's deceptive, there's a a short video to watch. Um, It's an awareness test. If you have seen this, please don't give away the answer to it. It's been around for a while, but uh, we'll let the video do the talking. So uh, here's this This awareness. awareness So that was a very successful campaign in England um, about looking out for cyclists. Um, Who has seen that for the first time just now? Okay, and uh, who at that first time did not see the moonwalking bear? Yeah, and uh, perhaps you've seen it before and when you saw it the first time you are busy counting the passes from the white team and also missed the moonwalking bear. And the point is that we can focus on something and miss the obvious. And that's a great video that shows that. And with goodness, if we're focusing on the act itself and not focusing on where it comes from, then we're missing the obvious. And I think it can be deceptive because people in the world may see Christians doing good things and think this is what Christians are supposed to do. They're supposed to be good. And people can think, well, I'm being Christian because I'm being good, and we're missing the obvious. The obvious is that goodness comes from God, and it's all about him. Here's an example Go the Jets. Go the Jets. Have you heard this story? Did you see the game at all? The scorpion kick. You need to ask some of the Jets about the scorpion kick. <laughs> or someone here. It was very, very famous. Now, I could put on a Jets shirt that would not make me a Jets player. <laughs> Absolutely comes uh, the comment from down here. But yet all Jets players wear a Jets shirt. 
I can do good things and that doesn't make me a Christian. But all Christians should be doing good things. Can you see the deception I'm talking about? Let me uh, explain a little bit more. I was talking with um, some uh, 18-year-olds recently and I said on a scale of, of 1 to 10, where is your Christian faith? One being not interested at all, 10 being I'm ready to become a full-time preacher and convert the world. And um, some were saying, oh, about a 2 or a 3, and someone said maybe a 7 or an 8. And uh, one girl said a 5. And I said, tell me more about the 5. And she said, well, there I am. I'm right in the middle. I'm a 5. And I said, why 5? Why not 6? Why not 4? And she said, I I see that there's a jump between a 5 and a 6. And I asked, well, what do you mean by uh, what do you mean by that jump? And she said, "Well, I see one to five as growing in doing Christian things, living a good moral life, and then there's a spiritual dimension to that as well. And I'm not ready to make the jump into the spiritual dimension. So she sees it as a continuum. We do the good things." We have that Christian life, act like a Christian, do good things, look after each other, be kind and caring and thoughtful, but that's as much of a Christian as she wanted to be. I think she's been deceived. Being a Christian is that spiritual dimension. It is actually living a life for God, accepting what he's done for us. And from that flow, good things the goodness it's the fruit of the spirit but the deception is that you are a good person therefore you are a Christian and she thought yes you know I'm doing good things I'm a Christian now of course it's up to God ultimately to judge that but there's that whole aspect she's missing out on and the deception is that we can make it ourselves we don't need God the sacrifice that Jesus gave on the cross for us is pointless Because we can be good and we can do it. That's a deception. And the Bible tells us that there's nothing good in us. We were singing a song. God, you are good, you are good when there's nothing good in me. We know from Bible Bible teaching that we can't get to God, that Jesus is the only way to God. He's the bridge to salvation. If we want a right relationship with God, there is nothing that we can do to create that right, right relationship with God. It's all through Jesus' death and sacrifice on the cross. And so there's the deception there. We can make it ourselves. Another part of the deception is that God owes us. I'm doing all these good things. Surely God has to pay me back for that. Surely I'm earning brownie points and I get to a point where I achieve something because God owes me because I'm doing all these wonderful things. Another aspect of the deception is that bad things shouldn't happen to good people. If I'm being good, if I'm doing all the right things, then nothing bad should happen to me because God owes me and I'm making it on my own. And if something bad does happen to a good person, then we can think, wow, God's really treated them poorly. Or we start to say, well, does God even exist? If this wonderfully good person is having such a difficult time in life, is there a God? Yes, there is. Yes, there is. But this is all part of the deception that goodness can create. So getting back to this uh, this thinking of this girl, 
I think more accurately, it should look like this. Where the starting point is that jump into the spiritual dimension. The starting point is when God, I recognise there is a need for you in my life. I want to give my life to you. I accept the gift of salvation. And from that point, as I grow in the spiritual dimension of my life, from that flow, the goodness, the, uh, the acts of goodness. We have a verse here from Matthew 3, verse 18. And you can see that I've taken a few words away from that. We'll have a look at those words in a moment. Prove that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. These are words of Jesus. Prove that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. And the missing part is... Prove by the way you live. Prove by the way you live that you've repented of your sins and turned to God. So the first thing is, repent of your sins and turn to God. And then show that by the way you live. And I've highlighted the word have. It's not proved by the way you live that one day you might make that jump into the spiritual realm. That you're thinking about it. But it's proved that you have done that. That is the starting point. The fruits of the Spirit, the goodness, the things that we do flow from that relationship that we have with God. In Ephesians we read, For once you were full of darkness, but now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this light within you produces only what is good and right and true. And this verse tells us that once there was darkness, there's no good in us naturally. But Jesus, light comes into us and that light produces within us that which is good and right and true. So there's that internal aspect of all of this, that it's got to start in here. It's got to start with our relationship with God if we're going to do anything at all that is uh, good and right and true. In 2 Thessalonians, so we keep on praying for you, asking our God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. This tells us that The goodness, the things that we do, the good works we do, are worthy of the calling that's on our life. That what we do is empowered by God. But we are called to accomplish things and we're prompted by our faith. That's a totally different perspective than just getting out and doing something. We're doing things worthy of being a Christian. We're doing things that God powers us to do and God prompts us to do that passage continues then the name of our Lord Jesus will be honored because of the way you live so the goodness in us the good things that we do the way we outwork that has to be honoring to the name of Jesus Christ and you will be honored along with him this is all made possible because of the grace of our God and Lord Jesus Christ. Again, it tells us from where the good things we can do flow. And if they're about um, making ourselves known or, uh, or putting the light on ourselves, then that's, that's the wrong motivation. It's all about honouring God. 
So where does this whole concept of Christians must be good? Good people are Christian people. It starts way, way, way back. And I want to take a few minutes just to look at the impact of the early church, the early Christians, on the society at the time. And that gives us an idea of where this is so ingrained. As a, as a young boy growing up, my dad was a church minister. And even as a, a teenager, if we were mucking around in school, and the worst thing I did at school was I skipped a class once. <laughs> but it was the last day of the school year, and there were about 30 people in the whole high school, and there was only me and a friend who actually turned up to the class. Last lesson of the day last day of the school year and the teacher told us to go home (laughs) kind of skipped a class kind of got kicked out of class I don't know call it what you want but that's about as bad as it got in high school for me but even so if I would do something like that my friends would say you can't do that you're a god lover you can't do that your dad's a minister you can't do that you call yourself a christian so there's this ingrained idea in society that this is what Christians should do and if you're good therefore you are a Christian and that's not how it works so this is where it comes from now we're talking about people in the early Christian church who knew Jesus personally had sat under his teaching had been with him had watched him die an excruciating death but knew that he had risen from the dead and they'd met him after that resurrection so we're talking people who were super fired up and the impact they had on society society mostly being the Roman Empire Christians stood up to the value of life in the Roman Empire life was cheap abortion was commonplace killing children who were unwanted was quite common leaving them on the rubbish heap throwing them in a river We know the stories of the gladiators and the Colosseum and all the battles that happened there. And just person after person was sent in to die. And that was the Saturday sport. Much better to go and watch the Jets play. (laughs) Life was cheap. Suicide was encouraged. If you were a worthless person, well, move off the planet, give someone else a go. But the Christians valued life because of the teachings of Jesus and what God said and so they stood up to that they were persecuted because that they were pushing against common belief another area they impacted was sexual morality it was a very promiscuous society and even in marriage it wasn't uh, wasn't whole it was common to have partners um, in marriage and it wasn't just about um, the um, promiscuous lifestyle it was depraved as well and reading through a book um, that explains some of these things um, some very depraved acts of, of uh, sexual gratification the Christians again stood up to this and uh, preached against it preached against uh, the kind of thing that was happening there freedom and dignity for women who were at the time uh, lower class citizens child brides and even in marriage often there were separate quarters so the female would have to stay in these quarters while the husband was elsewhere with all of his other lady friends coming and going and the Christians stood up to that 
to uh, bring dignity and freedom for women. Christians made a big impact on charity as well. At the time, it was seen that you would only help somebody if you would get something from that. Either they could pay you back or that it would elevate your status because you're helping someone who was of a higher rank than you. And to step in and support them and help them in some way lifted your status too. And it was viewed that if you were in need, then again, you should just be done with it. Jump off the rock, take your own life. That you wouldn't waste what uh, you had, your time, your money, your food. You wouldn't waste that on someone who's ultimately going to die anyway. Better to keep it for yourself. And Christians pushed against that. That's not what Jesus taught. And so they pushed against that in society. And uh, ultimately developed hospitals and health care and origin, uh, initially they would take sick people into their own homes and uh, that turned into hospitals and, uh, and forms of health care education for all not just for boys not just for the rich but uh, free education for, uh, for any members of society now I know that there's these issues still exist in parts of the world today but it was the Christians who stood up to the popular culture of the time, were hated for it, were despised for it, were persecuted for it, but from that got this reputation of Christians are good people, Christians do good. And I think that's where it all comes from. Doing, doing good, though, is not always easy. Not always easy. Author of a book, How Christianity Changed the World, and it's a fascinating read, and, and that's where I got some of this information from. Um, if you like history, the history of the Christian church, the impact that Christianity has had on society even today, it's a great read. He says, it must be noted that these Christians who were persecuted for three centuries never set out to change the world. That was not their mission. Their mission was to preach the gospel. Their mission was a byproduct of their transformed lives. And it was all about that relationship with Jesus and from that flowed all these other things. C.S. Lewis says, if you really want a religion to make you feel comfortable, I certainly don't recommend Christianity. <laughs> because it's not an easy road. Doing good things, allowing God's spirit to prompt us and direct us to do good things, doesn't always feel good. Good stuff, doing good stuff doesn't always feel good. And I think we have to realise that that's why we continue, because we're prompted by God. It's not because we like it and it feels good and makes us feel better, but it's because God is calling us to do that. Let's have a look at an example of Jesus. It's more than just doing good things though. And if you look through the Bible, when Jesus has done something good, healed someone, um, uh, performed some miracle or, or spoken with someone who's an outcast, there is always an extra bit in the story, a revelation of some kind of truth of God. So doing good things on their own isn't the end goal. It's about living a life that's been transformed by God and teaching his truth through these good things. 
So the revelation of truth, sometimes in Jesus' case, was confirming his identity as the Son of God. Proving to people, this is who I say I am. And healing someone, raising someone from the dead is a pretty good evidence of that. So there's that revelation of who really is Jesus. And his good works confirm that. His good works confirm too that he had authority over creation. Walking on the water. Turning water into wine, not the same body of water. Calming a storm. These are the things that Jesus could do because he had authority over creation. His good works revealed the truth that God's love was for everyone. Not just for the popular, not just for the clever, not just for the religious but also for the outcasts, also for the sinners, also from people of other races and nations. And that's what his good works proved. They also showed that he contacted people at their point of need, where they were, and met that need. It wasn't a matter of the people having to get to a certain level before he would accept them. It was right where they are. And that's an amazing truth that his goodness showed. And that truth is relevant today, that he will meet us at our point of need. An example of that's in John 6. John 6 starts with the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000 people. It then continues to walking on the water. But it's not just about those amazing miracles and good works. Because the rest of the chapter then is devoted into teaching people from that. The crowds followed Jesus. And he said, well, you're following me because I fed you. And you want something more to eat. You want more bread. And they said, oh, we want to see more signs and more wonders. And I guess if we get a good feed out of it, that'll be wonderful as well. And Jesus started talking about, well, if I give you bread, you're going to get hungry again. And you're going to get hungry again. But I'm the bread of life. If you... Eat from me, you will never be hungry. And the people started to scratch their heads a little bit and think, goodness me, what was this all about? And he went on to teach them more about the way to heaven. And for some it was too difficult. And they said, oh, look, we're out of here. This is getting a bit weird. We're gone. And he turned to his disciples and he said, are you going as well? Will you leave me? And Peter said, where would we go? You have the words to eternal life. So from the good works that Jesus did, there's this amazing revelation that Peter has about Jesus being the way to eternal life. I want to challenge you this morning. Are we doing things that bring people to the point of knowing that Jesus is the way to eternal life? Or are we just doing good things because they're good things to do? So for us, the good things that we do coming from our relationship with God, prompting by the Holy Spirit, have to bring honour to God. Let your light shine before men that they may see your good deeds and praise your Father in heaven. And any time if we're doing things that are good and it's not bringing glory to God, not bringing people's attention to who God is, then are we really doing things prompted by the Spirit or just because we think they're great things to do? But it's not just bringing honour to God, it's about bringing people to God. 
In Acts 4, we read many of the people who heard their message, there it was Peter and John, heard the message of Peter and John, believed it. And so the number of men who believed now totaled about 5,000. Now, this came from an act of goodness. Back in chapter 3, Peter and John walked past a beggar who was lame. The beggar asked for money. They said, we've got something better than money. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And he was healed. That caught a bit of a commotion. Crowd gathered around. They knew this beggar had been lame for 40 years. And all of a sudden, here he is standing and walking and leaping and praising God. For those who remember the old Sunday school song. And uh, Peter and John got hauled before the authorities. You can't be doing this and talking about Jesus. And Peter took that opportunity to preach the gospel of Jesus to those people. So from that one act of goodness, there was this amazing chance to preach and many more people came to know Jesus. Are our acts of goodness bringing people to know Jesus? But also our acts of goodness help us to grow stronger in our faith. In uh, Matthew chapter 10 and also in Luke chapter 10, Jesus is sending out first his disciples and then another 72 followers to go and do good things, to preach the word, to heal the sick, to help the lame walk, to cast out demons. And when they came back, they came back with this amazing joy. I couldn't believe all that was, we saw, all that we did, all that happened. And can you imagine how their faith would be built? And I think when we do good things and we see people coming to God through it, It tests us, but it also helps us to grow and to become stronger. I want to finish with this verse. Faith without good deeds is dead. It's from James. What good is it, dear brothers and sisters, if you can say that you have faith, but don't show it by your actions? Can that kind of faith save anyone? Suppose you see a brother or sister who has no food or clothing and you say, Goodbye, have a good day, stay warm and eat well. But then you don't give that person any food or clothing. What good does that do? So you see, faith by itself isn't enough unless it produces good deeds. It is dead and useless. Now someone may argue, some people have faith, some people have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I will show you my faith by my good deeds. So our faith has to be productive. And good deeds are a way that our faith can be productive. Here's the embarrassing thing. So our grandsons love blueberries. And so Jane and I thought it would be great to get a blueberry bush. And we put it in a nice little spot in the yard. And uh, it was all going well. Until last Saturday. Who recalls what the weather was like last Saturday? 38 degrees, super windy. And uh, our family were away for the day at a um, a wedding up in the Hunter Valley. And Sunday morning, I can see this from out of my study window. I'm sitting at the study. I thought, oh, looks a little bit crisp. The blueberries are now a new variety. They're sun-dried blueberries. I'm not sure that's really going to take off. They've not done that 
juicy kind of blueberry. But here we have a plant that I doubt is going to produce again. I'll talk to you later, Steve. I don't know whether we can lay hands on it, resurrect it, or else it's just zero on the lawnmower. But our faith can be like that. Yes, it's there. Yes, it's real to us, but it's not productive. It doesn't have juicy blueberries that bring people closer to God. Rihanna, you started something. For those who have been overseas or not been here, um, Rihanna first spoke about the fruit of the Spirit, love, and she decided to do an acrostic poem. So they've sort of revisited from time to time over the last few weeks. Here we go. The good news of... Keep watching. God. The good news of God demonstrated... In the everyday service of his spirit. There's goodness. The good news of God demonstrated in the everyday service of his spirit. And I think if we remember that it's about God's good news... It's about service of his spirit and demonstrating that, then I think it's not a deceptive fruit anymore. And perhaps instead of calling it a deceptive fruit, if we're doing it out of our relationship with God to bring him honour, then I think it can be the golden fruit. As through our actions, people know the gold that God has for them.